When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Rocco Mediate, Mike Molina, and Andy Brad Bernard. And we'll be right back in a couple of seconds. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional body work costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well, Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. That is so weird that he would only be 82 years old if he were still alive. Yeah. I mean, it seems like he's been dead for 100 years. 77? Yeah, 40 years now. 42. Been dead for, yeah, he died at 42. Died at 42 years old of a drug overdose. That's, that's a strange age to die of a drug overdose. I agree. Usually you die in your 20s or your 60s because you you either overdose when you're young or your organs give out when you're old. But at 40, that's very strange. Sad. Yeah, but didn't he die of a heart attack trying to drop a deuce? That or a stroke. Uh, was a stroke, stroke or a heart some attack? Some sort of blood <laughs> well, vessel. I think so. I think exactly what I happened. That's what happened. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. They found him on the bathroom floor. Some sort of blood vessel thing happened. and uh, Release the monkeys. Exactly. Um, I still don't understand. I, the day he met the Beatles, they came, I think he was in Vegas, maybe. I'm not sure where he was. Or maybe they came to Graceland. And the four of them were sitting on a couch, and Elvis walked out and pointed a pistol at George Harrison. Why he would that's, do that? That's normal. Yeah, why would you do that? You walk out and you point a pistol at one of the Beatles. I really don't understand. Dominance thing. Um, Alice Cooper does a song off of um, uh, Dragon Tongue called Disgrace Land. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, listen to that. You want to pull it up sometime. To, but it's about Elvis. He actually tries to – when you hear the song, you won't believe how he sounds. Really? Elvis is, oh, you want – yeah, Disgraceland. Pull it up off Dragontown. You'll, you'll, the, the lyrics are – it's about his death and who he was. It's pretty really? cool. Yeah. I like but yeah, it. But it's sad. I remember one of my best friend's sisters – was one of the Elvis. She was all, what, maybe 17, 16, 17 years old. Right. 18 years old. I think she was a little older than us. And um, when she heard the news, they were over at my house, which is a couple hundred yards from where their house was. And she just ran home screaming and crying because her whole room was Elvis, right? Like a lot of people were. And like couldn't be touched, reached for like a week. She wouldn't leave her room. And he hadn't been a hit for like 10 years. Yeah, ago. he was just Elvis. <laughs> he was Elvis in Vegas. That's who he was, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the terrible story. The whole thing, just a bad, bad plan. How many guys, how many people um, in music, great, some of the greatest have died from all that? Oh, yeah. It's remarkable. Oh, it, it, so probably sad. the majority. Yeah, probably the majority. Yeah. If we're talking about like highest earners, I mean, well, actually, I, well, I bet you could find out highest earning musicians in history. Or, like, you know, recent history. I'm sure Beethoven made a bit of money, but it doesn't really count. Right. No. Let's see. Well, there's U2. They're doing all right. They're doing yeah, they don't do that. Bon Jovi, is he alive? Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's still alive. Yep. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, this is just this year. That's not what I want. Oh, yeah, that's not what you want. Yeah. I'll tell you a story about Bon Jovi while you're looking. Bon Jovi was standing talking to someone and there's this gorgeous woman walked by and the guy says to Bon Jovi man wouldn't you like to take a run at her and he goes that'd be a 50 million dollar mistake <laughs> <laughs> yeah that yeah. would not be a good idea yeah at least what is it how does it feel mm-hmm. that you have a job now that requires you to suck was <laughs> <laughs> in John Carpenter's vampire you know uh, that's uh, a great one <laughs> Triumph the Insult Comic yeah. Dog. He was doing an interview with John Bon Jovi. And bon Jovi got his first acting role in, in John Carpenter's Vampire. <laughs> and Triumph says, Bon Jovi, how does it feel to have a job now that actually requires you to suck? <laughs> oh, my God. Is that fantastic? That's very funny, actually. What do you got, Andrew? Well, uh, in terms of best-selling music artists in mm-hmm. recent history, the Beatles, none of them died of uh, you know, self-inflicted no. stuff, I don't think. Well, George well, Harrison. George, yeah. Did he? He smoked, smoked. Like a stack. Yeah. Well, he lived to, didn't he live to be pretty old still? No, God 58. No. Oh, okay, never mind. So, yeah, he died young, most likely because of mm-hmm. you know stuff he ingested. Elvis Presley obviously did. Yep. Michael Jackson did. Yeah. And so there's the top three right there. Madonna, I'm surprised she's still alive. I would agree with you. But uh, except for that's all an act. It's all fake. That's you, why you she's think still so? Alive. Oh God, yes. Elton John, he's still around. Oh yeah. Led mm-hmm. Zeppelin, I think one of them he Bonham, died. Bonham John died. He drank himself. To Alcoholic him. poisoning. Mm-hmm. Forty yeah. shots of vodka. Mm-hmm. Just forty. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. 40. That's nothing. Come on. <laughs> I could do 10 maybe and then I'd die. Toughen up. 40 uh, shots. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, think about 40. That's 60 ounces of vodka. Think about 10 shots. Yeah. How could I you know. even fit that much in your stomach? Holy. Uh, in what period of time, Molina? Over like 24 hours because they were recording. Uh, it could be over 24 days for that matter. Mm. So we drank two quarts of vodka over yeah. a 24 hour period. Mm. Well, the road manager, they stopped off for breakfast, and he was ordering quadruple shots of vodka for breakfast. Oh. Why not just order a glass, then, if you're going to order a quadruple shot? Hey, can I have a glass of vodka? <laughs> yeah, say just give me, like, a, a, a water glass of vodka, and I'll handle it. So what, does your heart stop? Is that what happens? Well, you uh, vomited. Yeah. Choked on his own vomit. Yeah, yeah that's own. what's going to happen. I um, still love that. Was it, was it uh, oh, boy. What was the name of that great, uh, was it Spinal Tap? Oh yeah. yeah, our drummer choked choked to death on somebody else's body. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, bon Scott died alcoholic poison. Yeah, he yep. did. And the he only other artist car trunk. with over 250 million uh, sales would be Pink Floyd. They're around. They're around. They're all Everyone still around. Of, oh yeah, mm-hmm. they can't so, get along with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but Waters, Gilmore, all of them. I think so, Mason's gone. Yeah. I mean, four out of seven uh, had an early death, so that's you know. Yeah. Certainly higher than average. Oh, Joe, Joe from Louisville. Rammstein. Rammstein. <laughs> They're still alive. 
200 to 250. Uh, Rihanna's around. Mariah Carey's around. Celine Dion is around. Queen died of AIDS. So, I mean, that's kind of... Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury, Mercury yeah. died of AIDS. Absolute yeah. Whitney Houston, she died of something, didn't she? Coke. Cocaine, yeah. yeah. ACDC, they're around, Don I Scott. think. No, they, oh. the only no, no. one of them's still alive. Well, oh, really? um, uh, uh, what's his name? Angus's Angus. Angus. Father, uh, father. Brother just died. Yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm just, just died. That's uh, actually a rough month because uh, George Young died in October. Right. So losing two brothers and you he know, lost both. The, bro- yeah, in a month. Two brothers in a month. I didn't know he had another brother. George How's Angus Malcolm. doing? Good Lord, you better watch out. Yeah, yeah. Angus, get out of that schoolgirl outfit and behave. <laughs> and then finally, the Rolling Stones. Yeah. We had Brian Jones that died. So very very young. He was only like twenty. Yeah, he died of alcohol. Four. Alcohol got no, him. He, he drowned. drowned. Remember, he drowned but I think he was hammered. Oh, though. okay, okay. I think it was. How old was Brian Jones when he died with the Rolling Stones? He had to be in his mid-20s. Yeah. What about Keith Moon? What got him? Uh, alcohol. Did it? Oh, Brian yeah. Jones good too. was 27. Wow. 27. Keith so, Moon was awesome, too. What a oh, drummer. God, Jesus. Yes. Animal. Yep. And then once you get below 200 million, I think none of these people, Taylor Swift, Eminem, Kanye West, they're all around. The Eagles, yeah. I think, are all around. Except for except Glenn, Glenn Frey. Well, except for, but didn't he... He died of like natural causes. He died of yeah. not behaving. Oh. There's no question. Over he died the years. Of not behaving over the years. But yeah. then there's Bruno Mars, Garth Books, and you too. So I think there's definitely a correlation between success and dying young. Oh, there is. I don't think there's any question about that. But then there's also a correlation between failing to succeed and dying young in that business too. Well, you know, yeah. you try you try your best to succeed, you fail, and then you know you just uh, start doing things. Yep. Rather depressing. Glenn, Fr- let's see. Glenn Fry died at 67. Is yeah, two terrible. years ago. It's not good, but it's not terrible. Two years ago. Yeah. So did David Bowie died at 67. And do you, so uh, let's see, gastrointestinal tract surgery. It sounds like he had a bunch of like I don't know, strange stuff going on. It's like infection related. too, probably. Well, they say he died of pneumonia after mm-hmm. recovering from some sort of intestinal tract surgery but that was probably caused by drinking because drinking can give you uh colon cancer and that kind of thing so and that's it's possible but it's also possible that he just uh, got a bad draw i remember there was a a friend of the family's i didn't really know him all that well i you know whatever but a friend of my mom and dad's grew up in the same town and he was a big time booze as who glenn no, a no. friend, a friend of the family. No, but Glenn was a. They grew up with Glenn. What? Fry? No, 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 no I grew up with my parents. Oh, okay. This guy grew up with my parents, and the only reason I bring him up is because they said, "Well, we found out that so and so has cancer, and it's you know advanced, so it's it's going to be tough. So we're going to go see him." I'm walking in. This guy is bleeding out of his nose, mouth, ears, and eyes. Yikes. He was bleeding out of every orifice. I'll never Good forget Lord. that as long as I live. I was a little tiny kid, and I went, holy God. Now, it sounds like uh, maybe his jugular burst or something. That's probably what happened, exactly, Ugh. jugular burst. It's not uh. a fun way to go, I don't think. Whoo, that didn't look too good. I don't think he lived much longer after we left that particular location. Sheesh. I mean, that's that's some rough, tough road to hoe there. A prairie home companion. What are you going to do now that you can't watch Garrison Keillor anymore? I don't think I ever watched him. <laughs> I didn't either. Uh, I never I've never seen a single. No. no. Well, so wait, was it a TV show? TV and radio, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I've never seen or heard it. Well, it was on TV once in a while. It wasn't always on TV, but, well, it wasn't aimed at us. No. It was aimed at the whimsical. Yeah, it was aimed at the, uh, the, the ivory tower mean? types. When I think of Rocco Mediate, I don't think of whimsical. No whimsicalness here. No. The kind of person who thinks that, like, you know, uh, postmodern art is good. Yes, that's exactly right. A Prairie Home Companion is changing its name to Town Hall after an allegation of workplace misconduct was made against former host Garrison Keeler. The man who replaced Keeler as host of Prairie Home after Keeler retired last year announced the show's new name Saturday. Chris Steele also addressed the allegation. First of all, do me a favor, and if I ever take up the instrument... Please don't refer to me as mandolinist. Yeah. Mandolinist. <laughs> mandolinist Chris Steele uh, also addressed the allegation against Keeler during the opening minutes of the radio show's first broadcast since news of the allegation broke. Thiel said the allegation came as heartbreaking news. Minnesota Public Radio, the parent company of the show's distributor, ended its relationship with Keeler over the allegation. The network did not give details of the alleged misconduct. Keeler says he touched a woman's bare back as he tried to console her. Yeah, you get fired for that. 
I don't think so. You're going to have to come up with a better story than that, pal, because you're not getting fired over that. Who, who Did anybody else come forward or just that person? I don't know. They said He said there were two people, but they said there's only one person. Uh, who, who knows? No, did it scare really him that badly, anything. though? Wow. I don't know. The whole I haven't heard much about Matt Lauer lately. I mean, no, Matt, uh, there was news this morning. Yeah. He might have criminal charges filed against him. Mm. That wouldn't be good. That's not good at all there. Oh, he also, did you hear the news over the weekend about his, no. his land he owns? He owns 27,000 acres in New Zealand. Cost him $9 million. New Zealand has a conduct clause. Oh, my gosh. You conduct can, unbecoming of something. You can human kiss being. that land goodbye. He's not getting his money back or the land. That seems kind of corrupty. If they can just declare you not good enough for the land and take it, that Well, I, I think you've got to. They got some pretty high standards, I would think. That, that you, well, that you they have surpass. high standards until someone comes into power that decides that maybe the you need to have even more moral clause. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That's, so that seems very abusable. Gone, the land and money gone. That's what they're saying. I don't know. I'm sure he'll file suit, try to get his money back. I He's not getting the land back. I know that. They're not letting him in the country. Wow. <laughs> it's like nice job. Another guy had it made. Sure did. But I told you, maybe I haven't seen you. I played golf with him twice. Yeah, you yeah, told me. Yeah, told you told me you didn't, yeah. you didn't like him. Not a good guy. Not fun at all. More me now. It's all me. Everything's about me. He's one of those guys. What? I don't understand it either. I just don't. Why don't he, he got tons and tons? You're making twenty-eight million dollars a year to sit around for an hour a day and stare at a TV camera. Yeah, and read other people's words. And read other people's words, because you don't have a, a thought of your own and haven't your entire life. <laughs> oh, okay. They can force him to sell the land. They oh, can't just steal it. Oh, so he will get his money back. Yeah. Which, uh, actually, he bought it for $9 he'll million. Probably get twice his money back. <laughs> probably. He bought it for $9 million and now it's worth thirteen. so, hey. No, almost. That's, <laughs> I would be perfectly happy selling that yeah, land. Yeah, but if you're cornered, they're not going to give you the thirteen. He'll just probably end up with getting his money back. That's about it. I guess that it would probably go out for auction or something because obviously probably. he can't. He can't like you know vet the buyers or anything if he's being forced to sell it. But I, I just wonder. You're sitting in your office and you tell the guy, the the building maintenance guy, could you do me a favor and put a button under my desk where I can push it and it locks the door behind people? Yeah, that was the like, thing. What do you want that for? There was one of those. Yeah, yeah. As when Winwood would come in his office, he'd push a button under his desk and the door would close and lock. That's not a good idea. <laughs> I don't know who came to that idea. Our general manager at KQRS has a door that she pushes a button and the door closes, but it doesn't lock. There's a big difference there. Holy. So it's a privacy issue, but when it locks, that's, you're asking for more than privacy there. Mm. So I don't know what he was thinking. I, I don't understand it at they all. They probably all thought at that time that was like the button to push before you do lines of coke. Well... Possibility. That was pretty big at the time. It's not bad. That's not a bad uh, line of thinking right there. I just wonder if it's going to continue. It's just going every day. There are five new stories of somebody who got fired. Now it's the, was it the Metropolitan Opera or the? Yeah. Yeah. The orchestra. I don't know. I think it was the director of the orchestra. I think. We'll look it up and find out who it was. It's been popped in the. it's, It's unbelievable. Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. As a locally owned community bank, we pride ourselves on individually crafted financial solutions and quick response times. H&B Elevators, a Minneapolis manufacturer known worldwide for custom elevator designs, had an option to buy their headquarters. We stepped in to get the deal done with SBA and Urban Initiative financing. See an opportunity too good to pass up? Stop in. We'll make it happen. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. LASIK changed my life. Dr. David Whiting changed my life. He can get rid of those contacts, get rid of those glasses, and truly change your life. He's performed over 100,000 LASIK procedures, so there's no one else around who can compare. Let me tell you, if you're thinking about having your eyes corrected, Check out Dr. Whiting and the folks over at Whiting Clinic. They've got the most advanced lasers, they've got the most experience, and they've got the best price guaranteed. All the reasons you'd choose Whiting Clinic for your LASIK vision correction. Make this year the year that you get LASIK from Dr. David Whiting. Schedule your free LASIK exam at whitingclinic.com and please tell them I sent you. 
That's whitingclinic.com to take the first step in having clear lens-free vision at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. A little news, a little information. Tom Bernard Show, Rocco Mediate with us, of course. Hey, you should play that uh, that drop you played earlier for Rocco, see if he minds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. It's a scene from The Godfather. Oh. Was it Goomba, Guinea Wop, Dago? Yeah, that kind of thing. Whatever it is. Oh, yeah, there's lots of those. There's lots of that. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Casey Kasem one. Oh, that, yeah, that one too. <laughs> New York's Metropolitan Opera says it has suspended longtime conductor James Levine amid a- a- accusations of sexual misconduct going back 50 years. Levine, 74, was suspended Sunday after two more men came forward with accusations following a report. He abused a teenager in the 1980s. So that would have made him, let's say, well, let's say it was 87. So that's 30 years ago. That would have made so he him was 44. 40, yeah. And this was a teenager. The New York Daily News reports, based on these reports, the Met has made the decision to act now while we await the results of the investigation, says Peter Gelb, the Met's general manager. This is a tragedy for anyone whose life has been affected. The two new accusers both say Levine masturbated them in 1968 when he was 25, and they were 17-year-old music students in Michigan. The opera has uh, hired former U.S. attorney Robert Cleary to investigate the accusations. Levine, the Mets music director from 1976 to 2016, 40 years, will not be involved in any Met activities, including conducting scheduled performances at the Met this season. The Met, wait, I don't know if you, the guy always had a baton in his hand, so what does that tell you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, the accusers say Levine groomed them by encouraging their musical talents. See, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, you know, you'd be a great musician. I just have to do a little private tutoring. Do a little, do a little work. Yeah, I have to do a little work, private tutoring. You know that's what he did. Among them is Ashok Pai, now 48, who has filed a police report in Illinois over abuse that he says began when he was 16 years old and continued for years. I was vulnerable, Pi. Uh, tells the New York Times, I was under this man's sway. I saw him as a safe, protective person. He took advantage of me. He abused me, and it has really messed me up. So yet another pig that'll go away. God. I don't understand. Why is it, what is the great thrill of forcing yourself on someone? That's what I don't understand. How is that in any way mentally to you attractive? Insecurity? Yeah. They say it's a power deal, but you're right. It's got to be an insecurity. I have noticed, seriously. Well, peep, insecurity makes you go after that kind of power. Normal people yeah, don't that's true. That's need true. that much power. If you I mean, ta- have to talk about it or try to do things, you're not secure in anything you're yeah, doing. There's no a new survey finds that four out of five Americans believe that sexual harassment is happening in the workplace, while one out of five couldn't respond because their boss's penis was blocking the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that from? It's a weekend update. <laughs> it was a weekend update. Was that Colin Yost? Yep. I like Colin Yost. I mean, he's very... Their boss's penis was blocking the keyboard. You just got to announce the names every week like Powerball numbers. (laughs) (laughs) On Wednesday, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree was lit, and so was Ann Curry. (laughs) (laughs) That is cold. She's been gone how long? About five years. Yeah, five years. They still won't leave her alone. But she get hammered and went after. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, her and Lauer did not get along, and Lauer, yeah, Lauer didn't get along. I know that, but she went after somebody. Was it Brad Pitt? Oh, okay. She had a few cocktails and went after <laughs> Brad Pitt. Is like, would you leave me alone? <laughs> God, lady, calm down. It was something like that, anyway. Lowell Hawthorne, the founder and CEO of Golden Crust Caribbean Bakery and Grill, has died in New York City. He was only 57 years old. The city's medical examiner said Hawthorne shot himself in the head at his Bronx factory on Saturday. Hawthorne, who came to the U.S. from Jamaica when he was 21, started the successful Caribbean fast food chain in 1989 by selling Jamaican beef patties, jerk chicken, and breads. I have a question for you. Mm. You guys like Jamaican food? It's all right. It's terrible. It has to be done very well, I think, because a lot of Jamaican food... 
The reason it was so heavily spiced in Jamaica was to cover up the fact that the food quality was horrible. The food quality was horrible, and if you did use some of the water, it was so highly chlorinated, it <laughs> t- made everything taste horrendous. Yeah, that's why they had to spice it to the, to the point where you couldn't even taste the original food. It yeah, just tasted like spices. Exactly. The whole thing just tasted like very hot spices. Mm-hmm. That's the idea behind a whole lot of uh, regional food, actually. And that's true. Like, the reason they would uh, put all the sort of, like... Alcohol and salt, that kind of thing, was just to kill the bacteria that existed in it. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Well, it's like lutefisk. Nice. They, they soaked it in lye because otherwise the fish would be inedible. That's yeah, true. So, he built the business into a national franchise of more than 120 restaurants in nine states. Hawthorne once appeared in an episode of CBS Undercover Boss. At the time of his death, his company wow. was planning on building a new $37 million headquarters in Rockland County. We are shocked and saddened by the death of Lowell Hawthorne, said New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, whose real name is Helmut Himmler. What is it? It's Helmut Himmler? What's it? Um, Good Lord. Oh, you didn't know it's that? Something, no. It's well, something like that. Bill de Blasio's real name is like Kaiser Wilhelm. Warren Wilhelm. Warren Wilhelm. There you go. Mm-hmm. He changed his name to Bill de Blasio because that was his mother's maiden name. That's so phony. It really is just so phony. Why don't you go with Warren de Blasio? Yeah, really. You got to change it to Bill, too? I'm surprised well, he didn't Kaiser... change his name to Rigatoni Spaghetti. <laughs> I'm Italian. Mm-hmm. I wanna... Wasn't Kaiser Wilhelm the boss before Hitler showed yes, up? Yes, He exactly. was the World War One yeah, guy. Yeah, before World Hitler. Guy, yeah. Then Kaiser Sose was a good guy, though. Kaiser, Kaiser Sose, Sose was tough. Except for that was Kevin Spacey. Yes, it was. Well, there you go. Well, the character, <laughs> Kaiser Sose. He played a good <laughs> Kaiser Sose. Yeah. He did. Well, he's a hell of an actor, just a jerk as a human being. Uh, Hawthorne was a nice boss, a wonderful guy. Says longtime employee, Everald, uh, Everald Woods. He's the kind of guy you want to work for for that long. He takes care of his employees. Uh, however, reports that Hawthorne owed substantial tax debts. There it is. Money and didn't pay his taxes. Yeah, but why can't you just pay them and not kill yourself? Yeah, you have thirty-seven million dollars to build a headquarters. Just How give about them the taxes. Yeah, spend that money to pay the taxes, and there you go. You're in the clear. It says substantial tax debt. That means it's in the lots of millions of dollars. Well, thirty-seven. It can't be a whole lot more than thirty-seven million. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, uh, he was being sued by a former employee who claimed that he had not been paid over for overtime for eleven years. Why would you keep nor working had, there then? Nor had at least a hundred other employees. I'd say once your boss gets like a year behind on your pay, you could probably <laughs> yeah, quit. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I tell you what, you get two weeks behind on my pay, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. See ya. I'm gonna work somewhere else. Well, so I'm like New York Daily News says, hundred fifty thousand dollars in city taxes. To him, that's not that much. He could have just paid that. That's not all it was. But it's, well, it, that was part of it, but it's like that's such a small number to someone like that. that well, if he's got 120 franchises, I would imagine he. Yeah, uh, why not just pay it? I don't, I don't get it. How much money did you owe that you'd rather shoot yourself in the head? Mm. I don't get it. Yeah, don't you realize though? You can't get. You can't win. No, you cannot win. You, you have to pay taxes, or at least try to. I mean, you, you sure do. If you, you, if you, try, to pay if you try to pay them and you can't, you get they, they still work with you. But if you don't oh, yeah. try to pay them, you don't get to get worked with. You no, get to get I, worked over. The IRS in general is very, very understanding of all that stuff. Unless you really well, unless try you're trying to, to screw them, them over, yeah. If you're trying Absolutely. to deceive them. They don't. Want, they don't care for that too much. If you're trying to deceive them. But I, I, yeah, shooting yourself in the head over taxes. Uh, there was a class action lawsuit against him too. For what? For this not paying people thing so what did he do with all this money it's a really good question he didn't pay anybody he didn't pay his taxes what the hell did he pay mm-hmm. was he a huge coke addict or sheesh i don't like i said jamaican food Ugh. yeah Nasty. i don't know it's not my uh not my deal i just i'm sorry there are just certain things that I don't... People go, oh, God, it's so good. And you go, eh, is it really? Yeah, it's... it's really? Yeah. You think that it and is? teriyaki. Yeah, I'm I not think a teriyaki's fan. gross. Way overrated. Not a but fan. a lot of people just think it's the best thing in the universe. Well, isn't it just sugary jello or something? <laughs> yeah, it's sugar. really sugary. It's real I'm a big sugary. Thai food fan, though. Love oh, hot Thai, thai food. Yeah. wonderful. Yeah, Thai food. Pod Thai is fantastic. Thai mm-hmm. food is all peanuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. that's true. It's all peanuts, so, you know. Teriyaki, let's see. Uh, yeah, a glaze of soy sauce and sugar. Yeah, that's nice. Healthy, but, uh, too. So it's salt and sugar. Yes. Yep. That's Lots of both. Is. I don't know Lots why it's And so some popular. caramel coloring. Coloring. Caramel coloring. See, I said color. See, my mom used to say, what color is that? 
Keller. She never used to say color. I still it still comes out. It comes Keller. So is that what what color is that? What Keller? What color? What Keller? Yeah. What it's Keller? Pitt, it's Pittsburghy. Well, there's stuff that my mother said that didn't even come approach English. Right. Oh, I so, know. Oh, yeah. It's it's unbelievable. It's like, what did you just say? What? As a matter of fact, she the, the one thing that she did, and I'll never understand where she got this. But apparently, her mother spoke German, mm-hmm. and apparently there are words in German that mean the same thing, like Minnesotans say "borrow me a dollar," because in German the words "borrow" and "lend" are the exact same word. Mm-hmm. So they confuse "borrow" and "lend" in English to be that exact same word. So they thought borrowing was lending. So to borrow and to lend, borrow me a dollar. But they Lehen. Also, what is it? Lehen. Lehen means borrow and lend. Borrow and lend. And also hire. Good Lord. And what's the deal with the plural? They, they have a plural for, for hair, too. Well, they end all plurals with uh, E-N, I think. Oh, E-N? I think that's what it is. Because you also hear Germans once in a while say them hair. Instead of your hair, they say them hair. It's like, what the what? <laughs> yeah, That's wrong in a number of levels. That's wrong in a many, many ways. There's no doubt about it. But, but yeah, it crosses over. Languages, they don't translate very well, you know? Well, look, I mean, in Italian, brajul can mean many things. Right. <laughs> if you know what I'm y- saying. Yes, it can. Oh, brajul, that is a wonderful <laughs> thing. It's great. It's nice in a Sunday gravy. That's all I know. Matter of fact, tonight tonight's Italian food night at the house. That's a good thing Ooh. for me. For me, that's a wonderful setup. You know what I'm saying? I like it completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, is our guest going to be on in three minutes, Andy? I don't know. I think so. As if Paris didn't already have it. This is true, by the way. I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. As if Paris didn't already have wine, bread, and cheese going for it, now it's attempting to woo you with its public drinking fountains and a move that's actually environmentally motivated. Many such fountains now offer up sparkling water. Oh, I love it. You believe that? Yeah, that's fantastic. Sparkling water out of a, <laughs> out of a public fountain. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's a cool idea. That's actually. a great idea. Uh, reports NPR, well, at least the ones that weren't harassing women at the time. And for those worried that uh, some might abuse the offering, well, that's actually the hope of public officials who are aiming to cut back on the number of plastic water bottles that get tossed every year. We want to push people to change their habits. I thought bottled water, I mean, charged water was not good for you, sparkling water. I don't know. Because I, I love, I love oh, it. I, I drink it too. all the time. Oh, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wasn't it supposed to be, oh, you're taking in too much carbonation? Yeah, that's that's not great for you, but. I suppose. I don't think it really matters I that can't much. Do that. Right. I hope not. It's I'm not stopping pop. that. Well, I mean, that, those little <laughs> bubbles have to pop immediately when they get in your stomach, don't they? Yeah. This way you give it the. You can give it a pretty good burp, though. It feels pretty oh, yeah. good sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we want to push people to change their habits and just trust that water coming from a public tap is good quality water, says the city's deputy mayor for climate and water, and that drinking is uh, like, uh, likely a political act. You're doing something for you, for your health, but also for the planet. She says that a family of four in the city's tap water saves 12 pounds of plastic annually. Doesn't well, sound like that good. much. 12 pounds for a family no, of four? Plastic doesn't weigh very much. It doesn't weigh much. that much. That's true. No, it doesn't. That's the deal. Yeah, it doesn't weigh anything. Mm-mm. Habits appear to be changing with some residents filling their bottles at fountains for home use. It's not a question of saving money, says one. It's a question of having fresh air and walks in Paris. It's very nice, adds another. Sometimes people have 10 bottles. It's ecological and, of course, cheap. When you come twice a week, you've got children. You can become used to it. It's a rhythm. It's part of your life. Paris has a thousand public water fountains. Wow. A thousand of them. But NPR notes the city is converting fountains in every arrondissement. 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 I know the word, but I don't know what it means. Arrondissement. It sounds like around the mall. It does. The arrondissement <laughs> is, I think it's like a... Uh, Town you, square. What do you call it? Like a, um, like a ward. Oh, like a war- the city of Paris is divided into 20 arrondissements. Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's basically like a ward. Tap water is better for the environment, says one 22-year-old convert. There are too many about You know, here's what I like. You're 22 and you're telling me what's good for the environment. Right. Why don't you calm down there? Mm. Right. 
He's been around for a minute. There are too <laughs> many bottles in the ocean and everywhere it's too bad. Plus, I feel that Paris tap water is protected and it's good on top of it. I do know this. Would you look at that? What? Nothing. Just it's good. Oh, okay. We will be right back <laughs> on Bernard's show. My pillow is the holiday gift that keeps on giving. Long after the bath and body soaps have washed down the drain and the new treadmill has been turned into a clothes rack, your My Pillow gift will be guaranteeing your friends and family a great night's sleep. Buy one My Pillow and get one free online with my code KQRS or call my special offer number at 800-694-2056. Buy one, get one at mypillow.com, keyword KQRS or call 800-694-2056. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. So we'll need the posse got us, because the sheriff always gets his man. Give me some water. Water in Paris with Eddie Money. Eddie Money's a great guy, actually. You know his story? Former oh, NYPD yeah. cop, Eddie Mahoney. Eddie Mahoney, that's exactly right. Fell asleep once for almost 48 straight hours. That's why he can't move his leg. Yikes. Do you know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some heroin involved, maybe? Well, yeah, wait, no. Heroin something. doesn't even last that long. I don't know what Wait, 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 wait. What you, he fell asleep for two days. And he didn't and move. And if you don't move, your blood circulation will shut down. If you, you don't, get... if you uh, take a drug that makes you, you know, fall asleep deep enough, because normally if you fall asleep and you sleep on a limb such that it goes to sleep, you'll wake, you'll up, wake up because yeah. otherwise it'll get damaged from the uh, constriction oh of blood gosh. flow. But what the not if you're taking on? something that uh, prevents that from happening. Good God. Not a good, not a good move. Whoops. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest, Russell Shorto. How are you doing, Russell? I'm doing well. How's everyone? Everything is magnificent. Lovely. Simply lovely. Russell, do you play golf? <laughs> I do on occasion. I oh, used to nice. play a lot. We a have, little bit. We have days. Rocco Mediate in studio with us, and he... Uh, he can oh, play. very cool. Hmm. Yeah, Rocco can play a little golf, you know. Every once in a while. That's right. Yeah, I grew <laughs> up, my, uh, my uncle's a golf pro, and I grew up uh, oh, cool. playing. Where's your uncle yeah. a golf pro? He, uh, in western Pennsylvania. Shut up. Oh, you can't guess where Rocco's from. <laughs> Who is he? It's Joe Shorto. Oh, my goodness. I know, Joe. I've known Joe for 2,000 years. I mean, I'm... Is that true? You've got to be... I'm pumped. <laughs> you've got to see yeah, that, Rocco. Yeah, Oh, absolutely oh, no, God. Joe. Oh, my. I mean, how about that shot yeah. off Western Pennsylvania? That's phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. He reti- yeah, he retired. Yeah. Yeah, he retired a couple of years ago. But yeah, like, I know, Joe. I know. Up, uh, he was... Uh, he was first the club pro at the at the municipal course, and that's where I played because it was cheap. I, I couldn't, you know, be a member of the, the country club, but... Um, yeah, I grew up playing with him. That is wow. fantastic that you know Russell's, what, your uncle, you said? That's his uncle. My uncle, yeah. Your uncle, yeah. I know, yeah, I know Joe's that's well-known in Western Pennsylvania. He was around a 1,000 years up there. Great guy. Yep, that's right. Great guy. Yep, oh, yeah. Guy. See, that's Ru- hilarious. Russell, I love that to go. Yeah, he was not that great a guy. <laughs> <laughs> that happens once in a while, too. Oh, we that's hated him. What? Oh, it's your uncle. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Revolution song. And so, Rocco, you're in uh, you're in uh, Minnesota these days. I'm in Minnesota, and mostly in the summers. I'm a little up here, up a little bit. My wife's from here, but I grew up in Greensburg. Uh-huh. I grew up in Greensburg, so. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. right, right, right. 
Revolution Song, A Story of American Freedom. I want to hear this, too. <laughs> by best-selling author Russell Shorto, uh, a new narrative of America's founding that follows the stories of six extraordinary figures of the American Revolution. Individually, they represent both the radical promise and the shocking failure of freedom. I love the way that that's stated. Uh, thanks. Um, it, it's stated a little length, lengthier in the book, but yeah. that's the idea. It, <laughs> well, the, it's a two. The idea, the idea was I, I, I wanted to. You know, we all know the story of the American Revolution mostly from the perspective of the, the men in the powdered wigs, mm-hmm. and that's a, and that's a, you know theirs is a valuable uh, perspective. But I wanted to write a book. I write narrative history, which is people in conflict in their time and i wanted to mix in other people from different walks of life so i found i I chose a slave a woman uh, a native american a regular shoemaker regular guy kind of person and uh... i i needed to find people whose stories are well documented you know they wrote memoirs they wrote a lot of letters or whatever because i'm i'm writing nonfiction here so i needed to to base it on everything on on facts and I wanted, I needed to find people whose stories, who, who, who interact with one another. They cross paths at different places because I wanted to write a book that's one story, that tells one story, not, you know, five or six different chapters, each one in somebody mm-hmm. else's life. Uh, so that's what it is. It's this weaving together of all these stories to give kind of a different perspective on how America came together. You know what's amazing to me, Russell, just reading that a man was enslaved on Long Island. Just, you would never think right. that. People don't think about slavery in the North. But no. yeah, he was uh, captured in West Africa, and it happened that the ship that, that, that he was sold to was from Newport, Rhode Island. So he lived his whole life in, um, in New England. In, but some, he was uh, on Long Island for a bit, but mostly in Connecticut. And... Uh, and Connecticut, that was kind of a slave coast there. Connecticut, like Newport, Donington, uh, New London, Connecticut on Long Island Sound. Because what they were doing was they were often um, raising the animals that would be sent to the Caribbean to feed the slaves there. So mm-hmm. he was in slavery and helping to continue slavery, you know, against his will. You just you just never think of that. that mm-hmm. You know, Long Island there were slaves. I can understand. You know, we're talking about just above the Mason Dixon line in the north and all the rest of it. But as far north as Rhode Island, uh, Long Island, uh, you just people just don't think about. I never think about that. I yeah, can it had that. a different characteristic there. Yeah, because um, it wasn't huge plantations. You know, right. it was like right. where he was a slave. There were probably a handful of other slaves, um, and in a way, you had more freedom. But then again, in a way, you didn't have a community. You know, the people in the South, if you had a large plantation with lots and lots of slaves, you could maintain your traditions and that sort of thing. So in these uh, smaller New England uh, settings, you, there were just a couple of slaves, so you didn't really have a sense of community. People don't think there were slaves in Canada, but there were. There were, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, they were all over. They, yeah, but, reason... Which is, you know, so for the book... For the book, I mean, the overall thing, of course, you write about the American Revolution. It really is a story about freedom, and that's what the colonies were doing. They were winning political freedom from England. But it was this moment when there was this wave of other kinds of freedom uh, that that, that was just one part of. And people were, of course, talking about slavery and that being wrong. This was the abolition movement was going on in the 1780s. It wasn't, you know, what it would become later. But people were very aware of that. And also women's freedom was becoming an issue. And at the moment, in the woman that I chose for the book, the, the cutting edge at that moment for women was the idea of forced marriage. That, you know, they oh, were yeah. start, starting to yeah. say a woman shouldn't have to marry against her will. And that's exactly what happened to the woman that I chose in the book. Her name was Margaret Moncrief. Her, she, her father was a British officer. <laughs> and in the middle of the war, he decides she's going to marry another British officer who... She couldn't stand. She tries to <laughs> to reject it, but she's forced to forced to do it. And it's he's abusive, and you know her whole life then is uh, is a result of trying to resist this. That she eventually runs away from this guy who she was um, married to because people at the time it was it was in plays and in newspaper articles. People were saying, 
while the war is going on, they're saying things about, you know, women should have a certain amount of freedom and independence. Right. And she took that seriously. Well, it was a little too early for that. Because she took it, she, she was at the forefront of the whole idea. That's amazing. Those are amazing stories. Yeah, great she was story. a little ahead of her time. Yeah. What inspired yeah, you? A little to, ahead of her time. But, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, what inspired you to write the book? I, as I say, I write um, narrative history. Right, I, before right. year, uh, in 2004, I wrote a book about the Dutch founding of New York called The Island of the Center of the World that was a bu- uh, bestseller. And that, to me, that story is a story set in the 1600s when the Dutch, you know, at the same time the English pilgrims and Puritans were doing their thing, the Dutch founded a colony based on Manhattan Island. And was and that, that Stuyvesant? It, what I argued in that. Stuyvesant, yeah. Yeah, yeah Stuyvesant, yeah. right, and absolutely. And in New Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. So that, what I argued is, you know, because the Dutch were the melting pot of Europe and they had this notion of tolerance that and, and of free trade, those things are what made New York what it became. So starting from that, you know, mm-hmm. then after that book came out, I was in the back of my mind began thinking about this notion of freedom in the 1600s, in, especially in the, the Netherlands, and then how it spread in Europe, and then how it got transferred across the water and how the Americans then, the American leaders, got this idea in their head, we can take this, we can channel it, we have these grievances against England, well, there's this whole freedom wave going on, we can use that, you know, mm-hmm. so they, they took this one piece of it, this political freedom thing, and that's what they, and they had, you know, it was an unprecedented thing that they, that they achieved, but there were these, as you said at the outset, there were these, um, uh, areas where it was just unfulfilled this promise was unfulfilled and slavery of course is is a main one all right no no question russell do you mind if i take a minute to ask you a question there's a um if you don't mind um there's yep. a lake in minneapolis there are areas named after it, neighborhoods named after it. the lake is named uh, there's a boulevard john c calhoun it's lake calhoun the calhoun area of minneapolis mm-hmm. well john c calhoun was an advocate of slavery he owns slaves, right. so now the city, uh, the city big shots have voted to to uh, rename the lake. Its original name, Bede Makaska, which is just White Earth Lake, is what it means. But I'm wondering. Uh, I've been to Mount Vernon, and our very first president was a slave owner. How far do you think that will all go? Will, will I mean, are they going to wipe out the entire history? History of uh, of you know, basically white people in America. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And I, I, I know what you're saying. And I think that this is a, um, you know, it, it's a, obviously it's a conversation we ha- need to be having. Yeah, uh, yeah, where sure. I draw the line is, where I draw the line, and, you know, it, it's, I think it's perfectly appropriate for every city or whatever to debate it and decide mm-hmm. whatever they want. But right. I think uh, where I draw the line is, I think there's a difference between, you know, this whole debate started with statues and statues yes, of Confederate yes, yep. leaders. And to me, a statue is a thing that is literally up on a pedestal that says, we as a society, we regard you. And to regard and to put on a pedestal someone whose job was to fight against the United States. Yes. That to me, I can, that feels wrong. Mm-hmm. But naming a lake or naming a building or something, that's a different kind of thing to me. You know? but, but everybody has to you know, debate it and come down. Uh, how they will. Yeah, but I, I really appreciate your take on that because, you know, when I say those very same things to people, I'm not Russell Shorto, so they go, oh, you're 100% wrong. But but you're right. Yes, to honor them, to put them on a pedestal is one thing. A le- if you ne- if they do rename the lake Bede Makaska, which is fine, there's already a sign that calls it that anyway, but you change Calhoun mm-hmm. Lake, Calhoun Boulevard, the Calhoun Beach uh, Hotel, uh, Calhoun Square, Calhoun Village, everything in that neighborhood, and it's a vast area, is named Calhoun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they're yeah. going to change all that. No, I agree. That, that. Yes, I agree. There's, a, that, you know, there's such a thing as political correctness mm-hmm. gone amok. And, I, I mean, as you say, Washington was a slaveholder. Jefferson was a slaveholder. Yep. I don't think that means we, we rename the state of Washington, for example. Um, yeah, right. I think you put things in perspective. But as I said, there's a difference between someone who, in Washington's case, 
he he fought for the country. Yes. And in the case of, for example, yes. Robert E. Lee, he fought against the country. Right. Now, you can have a Robert E. Lee Boulevard if you want, but it seems to me it's reasonable to say, you know what, we shouldn't have a statue. Because the statue that. says our country... There's this kind of schizophrenia in there, you know, that says yes. we're honoring people who fought against our country. No, you're absolutely right. I think my suggestion to them was, and they looked at me like I was crazy... I said, why don't you find another person named Calhoun, uh, a man, a woman, whomever, and say, actually, we're, it was a head fake. We didn't name it after John C. Calhoun. <laughs> it was after a, her. It was the guy who used to be the lawyer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he named yeah. it after it's her. Frank Calhoun, the guy who, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Mary Calhoun. That's you remember her? She was on Mary Tyler Moore. It was unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> but I like your take on that whole thing. Yeah. Most people are not that even keel these days, Russell. No. Why, most people are so severe in their opinions. You're a very even keel yeah, guy. Yeah. I love that. Well, um, but I think, you know, what's being lost here is some, some idea of nuance. You know, you have to look right. at these things with a, you know, with a little bit of, I mean, things are complex and everything isn't just black or white. And, uh, you know, this issue, you know, and, and I think a big part of the problem with this whole issue of Confederate uh, statues and all that, is that people tend to look at it, um, they, they assume that, oh, this, this has been around since the Civil War. In fact, this only came about later. And it came about as a way to, like, you know what, these people are making a fuss, let's just let them have that. Instead of at that moment saying, you know, what I just said. You know what, we don't want to put up a statue to someone who attacked our, who are, are, attacked our government. I love That's that. That's wrong. Yep, they should have done that 100 years ago. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Revolution Song, A Story of American Freedom, Russell Shorto, S-H-O-R-T-O. The book's available everywhere, sir? Yep, hope so. All right, we'll come back sometime. We need, to talk to you about, we need more even-keel people on this show. You got me, though. <laughs> no, we got, Ro- we got Rocco. Tell, t- tell your uncle hello, please. <laughs> I am going to tell him that I talked to you. Please on do. Air, and, he's a beauty. Uh, he's going to be pleased. Yeah. Good. That's wonderful. Thank All right, you. Rocco. See you later. Thanks, Russell. Thanks, Tom. That is going to do it for today. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Tom Bernard Show.